pleasure to introduce the Reverend Don Fado. I embarrassed him in first service and I'll doubly embarrass him now. I went to annual conference in 1978 as a delegate from this church and for many years I served. And as I began to serve in the annual conference, I heard about this preacher who was a mover and a shaker, one who never stayed inside the box. He always colored outside the lines in a good way. I remember one year at annual conference, uh, we have divisions, you know, in the church, and hopefully the people can work it out. We were having divisions about the homosexuality issue. Uh, Reverend Don Fado did a wonderful, most beautiful things. He took the two sides. He had the two ministers to preach a sermon, to come up with him. The three dialogue together at annual conference, and he had two people who were so divisive to come together. He is what you call a bridge builder, which God calls all of us to be bridge builders. And he is a dynamic preacher. And if you want to see John Wesley in person, you need to see him play the role of John Wesley. You really think is John Wesley reincarnated. So today, that's just a few things I want to tell you. So now, uh, Reverend uh, Don Fado, now that I've embarrassed you, preach. Oh, I love you, Rosa. <laughs> yeah. Two of my daughters were part of this congregation over 30 years ago. Donna was one. Rosa sang at Donna and Hubert's wedding, so we've known Rosa a long time. Appreciate her. She does do hyperbole. She goes overboard on some things. <laughs> anyway, what I, <clears throat> it was about four years ago when I went to the hospital with just a routine rotator cuff surgery. But before the week was out, I was back in the hospital in the emergency ward. My leg swelled up, turned out to be blood clots, and they were le leaking through, and so I was having pulmonary embolisms, and it turned into pneumonia. Had quite a time. I will give you a spoiler alert, though, and let you know that I made it through the, <laughs> the time. <clears throat> but while I was there at the hospital, they discovered the culprit was actually an aneurysm that I had in iliac. And it had swollen and pressed on the vein so that when I had the minor surgery, all the blood increases its coagulative powers to deal with the cut. And when that happened, pressure on the vein had all backed up and coagulated there. And <clears throat> so I'm very thankful to the medical profession who saved my life. It would be, they couldn't do the aneurysm surgery then, it would be a few months later at UCD. So I appreciate as I say, the medical profession who saved my life. And then we got the bill. At San Juan Mercy, for four days in the intensive care unit, was $192,000. What happens to people who don't have insurance or don't have enough money? Sad. Well, I want to share with you an experience that I had on the gurney. And it's a very personal one. I actually wrote this sermon to share with a congregation who knew me quite well. And it was at Fair Oaks, where Bree was. That's the first time I preached this sermon. And Kelly, I was filling in for Kelly for three months. So I shared it there. 
And I want to share it with you today. It, uh, I do it in the spirit of D.T. Niles who said that evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I just want to share with you where I found some bread. It's not uh, definitive or how other people should do it or anything like that. You know, I've dealt with death as a pastor. been with people and they died. And I have wondered at times, how will it be when it comes my turn? Will I whimper? Will I bargain? Will I be angry? What, what will I be like? But frankly, I haven't spent too much time on that. I kind of, maybe I'm more like the comedian Stephen Wright who says, I am immortal. I'm going to live forever. So far, so good. So, you know, you just kind of go along. And, or, or I like it way better the way it's put in that old proverb that says that the uh, coward dies a thousand deaths, the brave person one. So I kind of, why go through, I'll face it when I, when I get there. Well, I got there. And I knew it was, they let me know it was very serious. It could be fatal any moment. And they were uh, out of the room at the moment where I was waiting for some tests. And I just said, God, am I going to die? Is this really what it's going to be? I felt perfectly okay. And now before I proceed, when I say I'm praying to God or I'm talking to God, I'm not talking about a God up there, all around and so forth. I'm talking about the God that's within. The God that I uh, take the scriptures. I love that old story in the scriptures that took the clay of the earth and breathed breath into it. And there was breath. The breath of God is within us. And there's something of the divine. That's why we're alive. The divine is within us. So I pray to that God. Remember in Sunday school, one time we were discussing how God could pay attention to our prayers. And there's so many of us. Well, doesn't God get confused? And the teacher simply pointed out the window to the flower garden, which is appropriate for today with your gardening thing. Uh, And she said, look at all those flowers. They live because of sunlight. And that sunlight comes over 92 million miles away. And it nourishes every one of them. Individually, they receive what they need. Every one of us. She said the love of God is like that light. It comes upon us individually. And then when I was in the youth group, I remember we learned a poem about the castle of my soul the castle of my soul is a little postern gate whereat when I enter, I am in the presence of God. In a thought, in an instant, I can be where God is. And that is a fact. I can be aware of the presence of God with me all of the time. The way the old uh, creed has it, or a theological statement of the, the Trinity, which can get very confusing, But in the simplest, the doctrine of the Trinity simply says that that you experience in your life, which is the Holy Spirit, we call it, is exactly the same God who was at the beginning of time. The same God that created all the universe has created you and is there. And it's exactly the same God, not a different God, who we see revealed in Jesus. So this is the God to whom I said, God, am I going to die? Now, be honest with you, I was very surprised. 
surprise person that I, I heard a voice. I don't hear voices that way when I'm speaking to God. <laughs> I, uh, but the voice, it was as if somebody stood right there by the bed, right at my left shoulder. And it's like they were speaking right into my ear loudly. And the second thing that surprised me is what the voice said. I said, God, am I going to die? And the voice said to me just so clearly, So what? <laughs> I mean, uh, no big deal for you, God. You know, people dropping dead all the time. But <clears throat> what do you mean, so what? And, and then I thought, the scripture came to mind. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Yeah. And the scripture from Romans that if... Um, <clears throat> Nothing will ever separate us from the love of God, either life or death. Well, God created me. God's been with me. And nothing's going to separate that. I'm not sure after I die how much of Don Fado's ego goes on. That's kind of irrelevant. There, there's an essence of, uh, within me, of my soul. So, it, whether I live or die, I belong to God. So I thought, I just had a sense of peace come upon me. Okay, God. We're together. So what? What's going to happen? If I die, I want to experience it. I'm going to experience my whole being. If I live, I'm grateful. So I'm going through this really high mountaintop experience for me. One of the most deepest, profound religious experiences of my life. And my family's out there fretting and worrying about it in the waiting room. And I discovered that my daughters had gone into my computer and sent an email to everybody on my email list asking to pray for me and to our annual conference. All those prayers were coming. And you know, I wonder if that's something that surrounded me and supported me in that experience. Don't know. But you know, I've, I'll be honest with you, I, I believe in praying for other people. But I've always felt that the main thing when I pray for somebody else is that it's keeping me sensitive it's enabling me to express love if I don't I'm not loving so it's something I have to do because it's loving and caring and sharing but down deep I think I've always questioned whether Don Fado's prayers really had much impact on God I mean God's going to do everything a God of love is going to love those people and there'll be God's love showered upon them and I'm not going to manipulate it God will give them a little bit more because Don Fado said so no I can't. so I've been hesitant about that but then I realized you know I don't think that way in other areas of life if uh, somebody's hungry I don't say well God loves them and God will surely provide for them no, we get food and share with them. I don't say if I see a child, a toddler going out and, and sitting in the middle of a busy street, I don't say, oh, God will care for that child because God loves the child. No, God has created us. We are interdependent. We depend upon each other. And we are to help each other and go there and pull the child back. Perhaps, what if we who are a center of energy all that energy in it. What if we've been creating a way that we share that energy, that love that goes out, no matter how many miles away, it can reach a person. That sounds fantastic, but I think that's what happened to me there in that room. And also, copy this out of the... I couldn't... If that sounds fantastic, did you...
hear about the Nobel Prize for Physics this year, those two professors, for the discovery of neutrino oscillations that show that neutrinos have mass. I didn't even hear, ever heard of a neutrino, so I'm way back. But it talks about these. It's the very structure of the universe. They're created in the sun, and there are thousands of billions of neutrinos are streaming through our bodies each second. I knew something was going through me once in a while, but yeah, th- yeah. <laughs> thousands of billions a second zooming through right now. Hardly anything can stop them passing. Neutrinos are nature's most elusive elementary particles. These things from the sun, 92 million miles away, zooming through my body. I don't think it's so fantastic that something like a prayer could give that resource. Well, after came through the experience, went back to the doctor and had a checkup. And the doctor told me, you know, you're very fortuitous that you had your blood clot. Because if you hadn't, we would not have discovered the aneurysm. And when it burst, it would have been fatal instantly. So I went home, I was thinking about it, and I wrote up this journey on the gurney to send out to my email list, telling what what I had experienced. And then I commented, the doctor said, shook me a bit because I thought, you mean that blood clot was a blessing? And I don't think I'm always aware of what is blessing in life. Some of them are very obvious, but, but not that. Uh, but that could be blessing. So I, I shared that. I wrote that in the, uh, in the email. And I got some responses. I want to share two of the responses with you. First is from Larry Patton, minister in our conference, who when he was a student at Fresno State, was on our staff as a student intern. And he wrote, One of the essential stories of my life involved breaking my leg way back in 1982 on a backpack, a tib-fib spiral fracture, mean and nasty. One of the little old ladies of the San Leandro Church, San Leandro's was his first appointment in our conference. One of the little old ladies San Leandro Church told me while I staggered about with crutches, moaning, and complaining. And when she broke her bone, it became one of the best experiences of her life. She hoped I enjoyed mine. <laughs> ha! But she proved correct. She proved correct. So many blessings from that misery, the best which was my meeting Jeannie, my wife-to-be. Some blessings jump up and down and cannot be missed, but others sneak in through the craziest of back doors. They sure do. Remember in in the the movie Jaws how the two main characters sit and show each other their scars and it tells their life story. You could do that. Not only the physical stars, but psychological, all of our scars. They tell our story. And the message of a scar is that there is healing. There's healing. The scripture lesson this morning, all things work together for good for those who love God. It doesn't say God sends horrible things like holocausts and tsunamis and migrant, migra- migrant migrations and so forth for good. No! Don't blame on God in terms of that. It's, if we love God, we work with whatever happens. And you know, whatever has happened in our lives ultimately is blessing. No matter what. 
and work with God. We are a combination of all the good and the evil and everything that has happened. It's made us who we are. And what a privilege to be the person that you and I are at this time. Well, there, there's a, another, one other letter I got I wanted to share with you. It came from a classmate of mine who was at University of Pacific back when I was, and Mel Wheatley was the pastor of Central Church Stockton. And he had preached a sermon on uh, riding a, uh, a gurney gracefully. And I get, I'd forgotten the sermon, but here was... And he tells about his experience in the hospital. By the way, how many of you have ever ridden a gurney in a hospital? Anybody here else? A lot of us. Oh, a good half of us, probably. Yeah, quite an experience. And he tells about it. By the way, he starts his, his sermon by saying that his original title was Riding a Gurney with Grace. And then he realized people in the congregation would ask who Grace was, and he had to explain <laughs> that. So, <clears throat> so he changed it to Riding a gracefully and then he describes what it's like to put on one of those gowns that they have at the hospital they call it a gown but you know wide open at the back then he said they give you a shot to lower your threshold of shame and they put you on the gurney and push you down a hall with everybody staring at you to go by he tells all this it's good humor and great spirit and then he says there's four things he learned and he shares them with us and the first he said is face the worst face it you know, I talked about avoiding talk, thinking about death and just being alive and enjoying life while I can and come to death. Now, people tell us all the time that they don't really understand life until we understand death. And I can simply tell you that when I came out of that hospital, the colors were never so vibrant and beautiful. I never sensed God in the world in such a way and the faces of my family and congregation and the faces of everybody were so beautiful. Life was different. Face the worst. Second thing, believe the best. Believe it. And then, do your most. Do the most that you can. Cooperate with the medical prayer. Do everything you can. Exercise, good food, everything. Do your most. And then, the last is, Give God the rest. Yeah. Face the worst. Believe the best. Do your most. Give God the rest. Let go. Let God. So why we, we spend so much time worrying? Worry. You see, worrying, somebody said, is like a rocking chair. You sit in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. That's worry. You know, that beautiful prayer, the serenity prayer. Oh God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Change what I can and then let go. That's serenity. Let go. Let God. Bishop Quayle was a Methodist bishop. He was the father of Dan Quayle. Some of you remember that name. He... Uh, he said one night he had a reconversion experience. It was a night he couldn't go to sleep. He had too many worries, struggles. He was rolling and tossing, could not sleep. And suddenly he heard a voice. And the voice said to him, Quail, you go to sleep, I'll stay up the rest of the night. And his mind went to the scriptures. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. And the Lord who made heaven and earth. And the God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. 
God is with us. Let go. Let God. One beggar telling another beggar where I found some food. When you face riding the gurney or whatever it is in life, when you face it, remember, face the worst. Believe the best. Do your most. Give God the rest. And when you do that and there's a sense of peace and calm, may you hear a voice. A voice that will say to you your name and say, rest, my child. I will stay up the rest of the night. The one who, when we bear a cross, always carries the heavy end for us. Let us pray. O God, our souls are restless until they find their rest in you. So feed us, thou bread of life. Amen.